This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. A documentary filmmaker, Ali Siadatan, is standing by to talk about his new project, Goliath Rising. Ian Robertson is on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and dials. Uh, Albert Vinzel is here running our HOA, our Hangout On Air. And if you want to stream The Conspiracy Show live on YouTube, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, S as in Simon, Y because I love you, R-E-double-T, at Richard Serrett, S Y. R-E-T-T. And go to the top or near the top of the feed and find the tweet containing the HOA link. Click on that, on that and you're in. Albert, my occasional remote viewer, what's in the box tonight, my friend? Okay, I, I'm guessing... Uh, hang on, hang on. First of all, turn the webcam around. Let people right. see. That's a lovely humidor. No expense spared on this program. Uh, and we've got uh, an item in the uh, in the box. What is it? All right, I wrote wooden, yellow, stale, um, round, c- cylindrical. So I guessed pencil, and that, that's like a wild guess. But then uh, yellow is stuck in my head, so I also put yellow rubber duck and yellow fire hydrant. <laughs> a <Like>. fire hydrant, <laughs> Albert? Do you think I could fit a fire hydrant <laughs> in that humidor? I, I, I keep getting yellow, and then I, I, I'm not, not sure after that. All right. You want to open up the box? Open it. I'm sorry, my friend. You did much better last week. It's a baseball. Our little tribute to the World Series here on The Conspiracy Show. Wah, wah, wah. That's all right, Albert. Last week, last week, Albert was very close. He guessed a, uh, what was it you guessed? I I guessed green pepper. A green pepper, like a small garden uh, fresh pepper, and it was an olive, actually. So I was impressed. (laughs) All right, we'll uh, we'll try again. That's our little segment called "What's in the Box." Uh, oh, the mighty Aphrodite just texted me to remind me to mention this. 
last week, Albert, I don't know if you know this, we, um, last week on the program, we had Megan Barth on from ReaganBaby.com, and we talked about uh, election fraud. She's with the, uh, what was uh, the organization called? The um, uh, Election Integrity Project. And uh, that was in the second hour. In the first hour, we talked about um, Marilyn Monroe, declassified with uh, filmmaker Paul Davids. The, um, the YouTube posting was taken down. And I, I received a couple of emails. And I don't know, I can't say this for certain, but I'm wondering, and I'll get your thoughts on this, whether it had anything to do with the second hour of that program when we were talking about uh, evidence for election fraud. Did you, did you uh, happen to notice that, that that was taken down? Uh, I don't know. They they may have made a copyright claim. Like when you look under the the our channel, it says like copyrights. <laughs> like they had the little copyright warning. But I I don't know. How what could they we infringe on copyright? This is my show. Yeah. <laughs> a likely excuse. Anyway, for those um, who were looking for the YouTube uh, video, uh, we I, I pinned it to the or the mighty Aphrodite. I should say pinned it to the uh, Twitter feed. At Richard Serrett, and of course you can still listen to the audio. You just can't you can't stream the uh, the Hangout on air on YouTube, but you can go find the podcast if you want. Go to TalkZone.com. Uh, go to my app, Conspiracy Show app, which is a free download, and uh, you can find that in the archives. Uh, it's just that the YouTube took it down, and and um, I I think it had something to do with uh, the, our, my conversation with Megan Barth talking about election fraud, and I had a, a hot and uh, Lively one last night on Coast to Coast talking about that very thing as well with uh, Don Jeffries. All right. I want to also give a quick update on a, a program we did a several weeks ago with L.A. Marzulli, author of On the Trail of the Nephilim and, of course, uh, the very popular Watcher series. And you'll recall Lynn was uh, L.A. or Lynn was on the program talking about this body or corpse of a strange looking winged creature. Uh, that he was uh, was given by a UFO researcher in Mexico City. And that story went viral, and he came on, and he was showing x-rays of this creature on our Hangout on Air. And it uh, turns out it was a hoax, which I know will not come as a huge surprise to many or most of you. Uh, for those of you who missed it, again, uh, check out the um, the archives for the podcast or the uh, the live or the uh, the Hangout on Air on, on, on YouTube. Uh, but this was a um, – it looked a bit like a sort of a demonic fairy. It was very small, long legs, uh, um, arms, very detailed, kind of a leathery body. And again, wings and uh, some say that maybe perhaps this creature, whatever it was, was the inspiration for the legend of the fairy. But it also, as I say, looked very demonic. And he, Lynn, uh, L.A. Marzulli, took it. Uh, to a radiologist, he took it to a veterinarian, he took it to a taxidermist, and uh, they were confounded by it. And, and um, finally, I guess he had D- he, they drilled into it and, and took DNA or something, and, and uh, as it turns out, it's a hoax. So I just wanted to update that. That came to light a couple of weeks ago, and it just completely slipped my mind. I mention it now uh, because we're going to sort of head down that um, path in just a few moments with Ali C. Uh But again, just because... You know, it, it, it's like they find uh, someone claims they find a, a, a body of Bigfoot, and it turns out uh, turns out to be a hoax. And of course, that does great damage to the whole Bigfoot research uh, arena. And just because you know this one was a hoax doesn't mean this doesn't in any way diminish L.A. Marzulli's fine work. Uh, for example, in investigating the uh, the Paracas skulls in Peru, those elongated two thousand year old skulls 
which he believes and many others in this field believe are evidence of this race of giants that once walked the earth, uh, several races of giants, and they are sometimes referred to as the Nephilim. Uh, the Nephilim, uh, we, we've talked about it many, many times in this program, uh, the product of the sons of God mingling with the daughters of Adam the, uh, and producing this great race of biblical giants, uh, the Goliath from uh, the great David and Goliath story, the fallen ones, sometimes referred to as the Rephaim, the dead ones. All these descriptions and, uh, apply to uh, a group of characters found within the Hebrew Bible. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to drill down a little bit tonight and discuss who are the Nephilim, who were they, uh, from where do the heroes of old, the men of renown, come. And I should mention also that L.A. Marzulli is, is featured in a new documentary project as yet released called Goliath Rising, Hybrids, Nephilim, and Titans. And it's the latest project by a good friend of the program, Ali Siadatan, born in Iran, uh, has been involved in a lifelong search into spirituality. He feels that the hand that has guided him through life has led him into the examination of the relationship that exists between angels and UFOs. And after finishing a master's degree in French language and literature at the University of Toronto, Ali decided to pursue his passion for the Chinese arts of Kung Fu. I studied uh, Kung Fu for about three weeks with Ali. Didn't go so well. <laughs> anyway, a Tai Chi also. He's a practitioner. He's opened a, a martial arts center. And uh, today they run a, a martial arts and health center. Uh, his documentary, UFOs, Angels, and Gods, was his first attempt at directing and writing for the audiovisual arts. His research into UFOs has inspired him to write a fiction book, uh, that he's been working on, as well as a second documentary uh, that I just mentioned on the rise of the Antichrist entitled Goliath Rising, Hybrids, Nephilim, and Titans. Ali Siadatan, welcome once again to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? Fine, thank you, Richard. It's great to be on the show. We have, uh, you know, I don't do this very often, Ali, so you're very special. We're going to do the whole two hours <laughs> with you. you. And well, just, I look forward to it. Uh, and just a note to our affiliates listening uh, or, or down, the, uh, down the line, it, you might want to... Uh, um, and there are some affiliates who carry this, uh, just the first hour of this program. So they might want to consider uh, carrying the second hour of this program the following week so that they get the full two hours. All right, let's begin with uh, the Nephilim. Mentioned uh, two, maybe three times. I'm not, are they mentioned in Ezekiel? I know they're mentioned in Genesis and Numbers. You'll tell me in a moment, but... They're by name mentioned in Genesis and Numbers, yes. Uh, but they're also by tribe name mentioned in Genesis and Deuteronomy, in the stories of Abraham and in the stories of the tribes that inhabit the land at the time of Joshua and Caleb. But by name, the Nephilim are mentioned in the Genesis and in Numbers. Yes. All right. And, and here's the passage, uh, Genesis, uh, I think it's chapter 6, verse 4. The Nephilim were on the earth both in those days and afterward... When the sons of God came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them, they were the powerful men of old, the famous men. Now, let's just uh, contemplate this passage for a moment. Mm -hmm. And when you read it, there's nothing there really that's derogatory or negative. You might, almost, you might, also, you might almost think that they're being praised. They were the powerful men of old, the famous men. They right. came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them. So, right, I mean, what do we make of this passage? Because right off, right out of the gate, there's nothing here that sounds untowards about the, the Nephilim. Yes, the um, 
you could also think when Darth Vader says to Luke, I'm your father, if you just look at that scene, he, all he's saying is, hey, you've just found your father. It's a good thing. But if you know the entire story, uh, then you see have a context. So there's a larger context um, in this passage, and we have to take into consideration all of the passages where this phenomenon is mentioned and then place that into the larger story, and then we'll know whether these guys are cast as good or bad. Um, now, one thing I think that's very important to note is that um, in the 20th century, starting with I.D. Thompson, Ellie Marzulli, or um, uh, Chuck Missler, uh, uh, we produced UFOs, Angels, and Gods. There was a whole perspective that came from looking into the modern-day UFO phenomenon and alien abductions and how hybrids were somehow involved. All of that also took the veil away of this passage, which had been glossed over for so many centuries by uh, people who read the, the Bible, I guess. And, and now it suddenly became something that is real. But it, the modern-day abduction phenomenon itself, a very well-documented phenomenon, is something that has to be taken into consideration when we're right. looking into deep mythology. And we, we will connect the dots, and we will um, um, make the connection, or you will make the connection, to make the case... Uh, that these passages mentioning the Nephilim uh, connect up, connect to the modern-day UFO, ET, alien abduction phenomenon. But uh, you, you said we have to understand the context. So let's back up in Genesis, and it does. It talks about the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim. Yes. Uh, and again, it says they saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took any they chose as wives for themselves. So the, who were then? Who, who are the B'nai Elohim? Who are the sons of God? Well, as you kind of start digging, um, there is a very interesting passage in the New Testament in the letter attributed to Jude, where he quotes the seventh from Adam, Enoch. Um, and the book of Enoch, you know, miraculously after being unavailable for centuries, even though a book of great value and understood as a book of wisdom by Jewish scholars as well as early Christians, you know, this, this book disappears and makes a reappearance in the 18th century when a, a, a Scottish explorer finds it. And then the 20th century, it becomes, uh, comes to the forefront of the consciousness of many people. Yeah, it's not, book, it's not part of the, the, the uh, biblical canon. It's, uh, well, it's, it's the Apocrypha, right? It's, it's yeah. not included in... In the uh, canon proper right. that is believed Ezra created of the Old Testament. And so here, but it's a book of wisdom, it's a book of value, and it is mentioned in the Bible proper, in the canon, it is referenced. And this book comes to life, and we can, you can go buy it in the local store now, and the prophecy that Jude quotes is actually there, and you can see where he got it from, so he obviously had access to it uh, in the first century. And what that book does is it expands on this Genesis 6 passage that you read, it expands it. It's like this is a Coles Notes, Cliff Notes version. Um, suddenly, we're going back in time to, to an eyewitness. Okay, we're going. We're going to go into a break here. So, just if you can, explain very quickly uh, uh, who were the sons of God, the Benai Elohim. Well, it seems that there are a subcategory of the Elohim, which is the word used of all of these divine beings, including God Himself at the helm, and Adam and Eve as well. So these guys, in Christian language, would be called fallen angels. 
even though it's important to note that the word fallen angel is never used in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That okay. term doesn't exist in the Bible. All right, so the, the, the fallen angels saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took as any they chose as wives for themselves. Uh, that's interesting as well. We'll drill down on that because that seems to imply possibly that uh, the, the wives that they chose were somehow... Uh, in agreement with this arrangement, or maybe not. Maybe they were they were forced into it. We'll find that out as well. Ali Siadatan, documentary filmmaker, Goliath R- Rising, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Do not go away. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1 866 740 4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416 416- 360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, press the mic button, dummy. <laughs> All right, there we, we're back on. Uh, we'll get back to our conversation with Ali Siadatan, filmmaker. Thinkagainproductions.com is the website. You can find out. I think you can see a trailer for his uh, his new project called Goliath Rising. It's not complete. It's a work in progress. Uh, and I th- he'll tell us in a moment, but I think he's going to be sort of releasing it in installments. And uh, this is the follow-up to a, a film that he produced about 10 years ago, um, UFOs, Angels, and Gods drawing the connection between biblical accounts of, uh, of fallen angels uh, and uh, commingling with the daughters of men, producing a race of uh, giants known as the Nephilim, and he draws uh, the connection between that biblical narrative and the modern-day UFO, ET, alien abduction phenomena. Uh, before we get back to that, I just wanted to mention this briefly. Um, Arnold Beiser, Arnold Beiser is, uh, has been on the program a couple of times, and he is also... I've been on my television program. I think it was season two. We did an episode called Bible Codes. And uh, he just sent me this, and I I just asked the mighty Aphrodite to, to uh, post it on my Twitter feed. Um, but it is what he says. It's a split screen showing Chris Wallace, the moderator from the third debate, Fox, uh, Fox News. And I thought he did a pretty good job as a moderator, by far the most balanced. But... Uh, Arnold doesn't think so. In fact, he says he's got uh, proof here that Chris Wallace and Fox News, he's caught them fixing the final debate. And uh, in this split screen, you can you can see crooked Hillary, he says, seen flashing two obvious prearranged hand signals on cue to Chris Wallace early in sequence. And then you can listen to uh, Chris Wallace immediately cut off Trump from speaking. Wallace continually interrupted Trump during the entire debate while Hillary was allowed to talk his head off. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll, we're going to get that posted to Twitter. If it's not up there now, it will be soon, at Richard Serrett. And uh, you, can, um, you can make your own decision. All right, let's get back to Ali Siadatan. The documentary is Goliath Rising. Now, Ali, before the break, we were talking about uh, the, 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 uh, these fallen angels uh, taking four wives— any woman that they chose. Now, is 
what does that tell us? Were these women, were they compliant? Were they forced into it? Uh, was there some sort of a mutual understanding? Well, I, I would say that they saw it as a promotion. You know, you mingle with something that is obviously of a higher power. You have a better standing and among your own, your own kind. All right. Now, the, 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 the big question that has always confounded me is we're talking about fallen angels. Now, how does a fallen angel, uh, and angels are not the same as humans. They were created by God, but they are entirely different. How can a human being, a woman, um, produce offspring with uh, a, a spirit, what I always thought of, or think of as a spiritual entity, a, an entity of consisting of spirit? We're talking about angels here, fallen angels. How is that possible? That's a very good question. Um, as this whole thing opened up, and imagine for 1,500 years, uh, the, Christ, the church doesn't look at this passage. It's buried. Um, it's humanized. And suddenly we realize during this time we develop a whole understanding of angels. Think of it as posted notes. They have birds' wings. Uh, they look like cute little boys. Um, they um, are, as you say, uh, non-physical entities, perhaps, uh, because there are spirit beings in the Bible, clearly. But they're also physical beings. God himself is presented in the Torah and in, in the Old Testament. And the Tanakh is a physical being who visits Abraham, who walks in the Garden of Eden, um, and many other passages. Uh, he walks among his people. He's with his people. And then, of course, in the New Testament, was very blatant, God enters the line of David and fulfills his own uh, laws, so sacrificial you, laws. So, so you're he, saying that the, that interpretation of angels, uh, fallen angels included, yeah. uh, the head, the head uh, fallen angel being uh, Lucifer, right. this interpretation uh, of them being spirit beings, these winged uh, uh, creatures, that's, that's not true. That's inaccurate. There are beings of spirit in the Bible. There's one passage in 1 Kings 22 where God is talking to a heavenly council and one of these energy beings comes forward to respond to God's request. So there is definitely that. But there is in the Bible also physical beings. God has created an immense variety in look at the oceans, look into the plant life. So in the Bible it's very well documented that there's a physical universe and we can see it now through the Hubble telescope. Um, no one before us uh, in the Middle Ages and other places, they couldn't see the heavens the way we are seeing it. Um, and we see that God enters, is in the universe, God enters the physical world. Also, it's something we have to consider. It's not just about spirit and energy beings. It's about also physical beings. These are characters in the Bible. Um, so there is a story handed down in our traditions where we've hyper-focused and, and, and made energy the very substance of an entire realm. While God himself is here among us, he apparently rides on the back of a donkey and, and, and enters the fisherman's boat. Uh, he's also in the heavens, in the universe, with his angels. He, he's, he's very intimate in his connection with the physical world. Okay, no, no, I got it. You're, okay, so you're saying that... The, we can't ignore that either. Right, all right. So it's possible that the fallen angels were physical beings. Yes. And, uh, you know, there are – and angels were physical beings, fallen angels, angels, basically the same, except these were angels that rebelled. And th they – so they had offspring and uh, they 
the 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 offspring were known as Nephilim. These were. Well, I mean, look at look at the modern day abduction phenomenon. Again, that it has to be taken into consideration. Suddenly, because the times we live in, we come face to face with these beings. We don't have to doubt anymore whether they're physical or. Okay, I don't want to get too far not. ahead now. We I can had... see them. Right. I don't want to get too far ahead, but we'll make but, that I mean, connection. I just want to throw yeah. that up there as part of how we we consider okay. because apparently the Bible is talking about the real world outside of our windows. Right. So so the offspring were giants, and again, it it talks. These were the powerful men of old, the men of renown, the famous men. So yes. what do they mean, or what is meant by these were the powerful men of old? Are we talking about... Mighty the, ones. The mighty Tiburim. ones. And they are champions. You know, they, they can wield might. They have knowledge. Um, they are the offspring of, of, of the Benah Elohim and the sons of Adam. And Adam in the Bible is also called an Elohim. Um, and so these are, they can mingle with us because apparently they're called the, uh, the sons of Elohim and we're called Elohim. And God is called Elohim. We have a common source. And so they're kind of, you know, coming in with their cousins in some ways. There, there is a connection in this universal family. And their children are different. Now, the word Nephilim, it is said that it comes from the Nephal, fallen ones. And so there's a feeling of something has descended, fallen. Um, but it, it also, in a different spelling, can be taken from the Aramaic um, and, and from the Mesopotamian origins and be called giants. And, and that's how it's spelled in numbers. It's slightly spelled differently. But regardless, Jerome, who translates the Bible from the Hebrew to the language of everyday Romans, the Vulgate, in the 4th century, so everyone can read it, he translates the word Nephilim as gigantus. And that's how it enters into our English as giants. All right. And, and, and there are many mentions of uh, giants. I think there are something like 22 individual giants mentioned in the Bible. And then there are many, many tribes. Um, there are the Jebusites and the Cadmonites and the Kenites and the... Uh, the Anakim, the, the Zanzumim, the Raphaim. These are the Raphaim, the, the Sidonians. The of Bashan. Bashan was a very... You know, important region of Nephilim. So the Holy um, Land, what is now the Holy Land, was just crawling with these, with these, with these giants. Is that the idea? Yeah, the the, uh, the whole yes, it was crawling with giants. Now we understand that um, Abraham, by the way, also before the time of Israel, fought these tribes of giants. That's also mentioned in the Book of Genesis, uh, around fourteen, fifteen. The battles of Abraham are mentioned with the tribes of the Nephilim. And as God reveals this plan and brings Abraham out of Mesopotamia and says, look, I'm going to take you to this land, this is part of the separation. At, uh, at the Babel, the nations are scattered and different languages are given to them. And the very next chapter, we see that God calls one of them out for himself. There's a clear separation made, and Satan follows the trail, it seems, from Mesopotamia to what is going to be this promised land. And by the time the children of Israel get to it, they send their spies, and the spies come out, and they say there's Nephilim on the land. Yeah. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. In other words, these, who, uh, uh, the, these spies uh, that, that are sent into Canaan are, are describing these giants. We, the, we were like grasshoppers to them. That's how big they were. Yes. Now, um, so, but, but we're talking about Angels. These are fallen angels. Not, but is there anything necessarily or inherently then evil about these Nephilim? They're half human. Now, yeah, their their fathers, they're descendant of a race of angels who simply rebelled. But does that make these giants in and of themselves evil? 
You know, I, I kind of feel bad for them because they always play the rule of the losers in the Bible. They're killed at the flood. They're killed by Abraham. They're killed by Joshua and Caleb and destroyed. And they're destroyed at the second coming uh, by the son of David. So they are playing the role of losers, and they're definitely pawns in a much larger game. So Right, because, because God uh, orders uh, in the Old Testament, God will order the Israelites into these villages and order them to smite every man, woman, and child. And that's always been difficult for many Christians to reconcile. How could a merciful God order the Israelites to go in and, and, and kill men, women, and children? But then if we're talking about villages that were inhabited, that were entirely a race of these Nephilim, it makes sense sort of, uh, but only if, if you can make the case that these giants are, are evil. Well... Since they are tools of their masters, and, and definitely uh, in the Bible, I, when you look at a 30,000 feet bird's eye view of the story, these masters of the Nephilim, the Benai Elohim, as you mentioned, the sons of God, um, the watchers, as Enoch calls them, they are cast as bad guys in the larger tale of the Bible. So their actions don't produce good fruit. They hurt people. They hurt the creation. They hurt us. Uh, so it doesn't lead to good things. Um, before the flood, uh, the consensus uh, so far has been that the idea was to corrupt the bloodline that led to the Savior. After the flood, um, the, uh, it continues to be a place of uh, where it influenced worldly power. We have now writings that we've dug up from the ground that talk about human tribes hiring tribes of Nephilim to shift the balance of power in their favor as champions, perhaps Goliath and his brothers were hired by the Philistines to be champions for them. Mercenary soldiers. Mercenary, mercenary soldiers. soldiers. Okay, so, but, but uh, the, the, this commingling, contamination of the gene pool, yes. uh, many believe that this led to God's decision to flood the earth, to clean uh, the gene pool, and only there was one pure family, that was Moses and his family. And now, Noah. Noah, I'm sorry, Noah, correct. Uh, and so then what happens, the giants, those that were remained, uh, those that remained were, were wiped out in the flood, but then they come back again, correct? How does that happen? Well, that's a very interesting point. Um, I think the, there's a story that, that Jesus, um, uh, whom the Jews knew as Yeshua, he told that I think clarifies the whole matter. It's called the parable of the wheat and the tares. And when they came into the inner chamber, the, the disciples said, what did you mean by that story? Because he always spoke in these veiled stories, which was a teaching method. And he said, well, um, the, the gardener who came and planted his seeds uh, was God. He, he talked, he, his story was about a gardener who planted seeds. And while he was sleeping, another came, and he now reveals that that was the devil. And he planted his seeds in the garden. And then when he woke up, the servant said, should we go and tear out his seeds and throw it away? He said, no, wait. The tears um, are connected to my wheat, and if you tear his out, then you'll tear mine out as well. So wait until the time of harvest comes, take mine out, put them in the barn, and take the tares away and destroy them, burn them. And in Hebrew, the word tares is a word that implies a genetically modified wheat. Aha. All right. Let's just leave it there. We'll uh, take a time out. Aliciata Tan, thinkagainproductions.com, the website, the documentary... Goliath Rising. Back with more. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Ali Siadatan stays with us. He is uh, with us for the full two hours of this uh, transmission. And we are talking about his uh, work in progress, a new documentary project called Goliath Rising. And we'll get back to that in just a moment. Uh, Just a programming note next week. Another two-hour extravaganza, the $26 trillion man, uh, Ambassador Leo Emil Wanta. Uh, We'll be back for the full two hours. And we are going to – well, Leo – um, doesn't believe the uh, election is going to take place. And he'll uh, outline his reasoning for that, why he believes that's the case. Uh, one more item I just want to mention, and our good friend George Freund, who has uh, been on the program a number of times. George Freund has a very popular uh, podcast called The Conspiracy Cafe. Conspiracy Cafe. Uh, Google that and, and subscribe, please. George does great work. And he sent this to me. Uh, yesterday, he's talking about this is kind of worrisome. You know about the the Russian naval vessels that are uh, moving through the English Channel en route to Syria, and uh, George is, uh, has noted that a number of U.S. naval carriers, a number a number of carriers, have moved out of the region. So. He's, he's drawing a parallel between this and Pearl Harbor. He said the same thing happened before the Pearl Harbor attack. A great Japanese fleet approached Hawaii in strength, or sorry, in stealth, although everybody knew. Well, that's the theory anyway. The last act was to pull the carriers and let the attack occur on less valuable ships. That's true. The, the, um, all the, um, a good portion of the, um, the fleet that was stationed at Pearl Harbor had moved out. Now, the USS Arizona and others, those were not the big carriers. Um, and for the first time, George says, I can remember there are no carriers in the Middle East. Even the light carrier USS Wasp has been pulled out from the Libyan mission and replaced by the USS San Antonio, a far less capable ship with no fixed wing aircraft. The USS Theodore Roosevelt has left theater, returning to California, most likely via the Spratly Islands where China asserts war for trespass. The Russian carrier battle group is heading into the Mediterranean under the cloud of war. It would seem like an odd time for the most important warships, the U.S. carriers, to be AWOL. The French carrier, Charles de Gaulle, is in Cyprus, so there is one to counter the Russians. I can't help feeling, George writes, somehow we're being set up again for a surprise attack. The USS Truman is supposed to fill the gap soon. The USS Kearsage is supposed to replace the Wasp eventually, but at present, the serious mission-capable ships are absent. Why, he asks. History in the making. Imagine observing a Japanese fleet on the way to Pearl Harbor or the, the movements to Jutland in World War I. You'd have to go back to World War II and the battles against the Italian Navy for a taste of what may occur very soon again in the Mediterranean. With a nuclear option on the table, things will never be the same again. The Russians are not happy with Clinton. Her election may very well start a war. And like the Bible states, it it can come like a thief in the night. That's the media's prophetic role. Again, that's at George Freund Conspiracy Cafe. All right. Uh, Back to Ali Siadatan and uh, Goliath Rising. 
So the uh, let's see, where were we? We were talking about um, the race the of giants and the wheat. Right, the so Jesus parable, and I was asking you what happened to the the, the, the Nephilim, the, the race of giants, the some thirty nine tribes and uh, mentioned in the Bible that were walking the earth, wiped out uh, by the flood, but then they're seen afterwards. So again, in other words, the the fallen angels go back to their old tricks after the flood, and they start commingling with the daughters of men and producing more giants. Is that the idea? Yeah, I think that um, in Genesis 3, when God declares war between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, now I understand that the seed of the serpent doesn't just refer to the final character who rises against the Messiah. It actually refers to this entire phenomenon that we are going to witness throughout history, and that is what the parable of Jesus is pointing to. And while then the devil planted his seeds... And so it is something that is throughout history. Um, we see it really come into play in Genesis 6, and we see it afterwards. Uh, now, there's a larger story here to look at in order to know, you're saying, well, how do we know these guys are bad? Why are they, are they uh, the bad guys? Well, every time they come into play, they counter something God is trying to do. And we really see that as we look at the story from a bird's eye view. Uh, you were mentioning about the Nephilim, which were in the land. The slaves are freed by God. They come to get the land that God had promised Abraham. And lo and behold, there are these Nephilim there again that stops it, stops it. So there is a plan that God has for redemption, we believe, and this is trying to be uh, paused. However, you no one can really stop the plan. It continues. There right. is this idea of Goliath and David. Again, we see killed King David, killed the one from whom the Messiah is going to emerge. Yet that doesn't happen again. And so we, we continue to see a negative interference into the very direct plans of God for redeeming uh, the humanity that was left dead and left under the rule of the fallen angels as we see the gods. Okay, let me ask you this, Anneli. Where are the giants then in the New Testament? Why, why no mention of giants? Well, Peter talks about the ones, again, talking about the time of Enoch. Peter, in, in his letters, in, in one of his letters, he talks about how these angels were arrested, put in chains, and taken to the underworld, to, to Tarsus, uh, to Hades, and they're kept there uh, in chains, and how the Lord goes and speaks with them. Who knows what he told them? Uh, and we see that in the book of Revelation, there are four um, watchers who are kept in the river Euphrates in Revelation 9, and they are released from their prison. Perhaps God is using the tectonic plates as underground caves to hold these mighty fallen angels. So they're mentioned in Jude, they're mentioned in Peter, and they're mentioned in Revelation. And Paul talks about how, um, um, you know, the very controversial uh, passage about the covering of head, and he talks about how a woman should cover their head uh, when they're praying, things like that. And, but then he has this enigmatic sentence, because of the angels. And you think, whoa, where did that come from? You know, your mind goes in one direction when you read something uh, of that culture, and then suddenly he twists it in this other direction. So there are New Testament passages that talk about this. All right, we're going to take a time out. But meanwhile, when we come back, meanwhile, let's flash ahead. Suddenly, in the 1800s, late 1800s, 19th century, early 20th century, we start getting these strange stories, even in, in reputable newspapers, about these burial mounds where archaeologists are uncovering these skeletal remains of what appear to be giants right here in North America, in places like Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, then we have, of course, the elongated Paracas skulls in Peru, 2,000 years old. 
uh, how does that connect? We'll uh, discuss further. Ali Siadatan, Goliath Rising, thinkagainproductions.com. Stay with us. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Ali Siadatan, thinkagainproductions.com. He's with us for the full two hours. We're discussing Nephilim uh, and the Elohim, uh, the, the fallen angels commingling with the daughters of men, creating an offspring, a race of, of giants, the Nephilim, and uh, sort of tracking you know, their whereabouts uh, throughout history. And uh, I mentioned before the break, uh, archaeologists uncovering these skeletal remains of uh, what appear to be giants, uh, we know that there were letters back and forth between, for example, some of these archaeologists. These were reported in the New York Times, if you go into the archives. Uh, letters to the Smithsonian acknowledging, okay, we, you know, yes, you found this. Uh, apparently, you know, body, skeletal remains were shipped to museums, yet we don't see them on display. We have a very, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a very interesting speech by a young Abraham Lincoln before he before he was president. He's... I believe he's campaigning for someone else, and he's in Niagara Falls, uh, as sort of as a tourist. And then he says something very peculiar about uh, while he's at the um, at the falls. Uh, I'm just trying to find the um, uh, the passage here, if I can. Um, he said the uh, he's talking again about the the wonderful um, you know the falls. Uh, when Moses led Israel through the Red Sea, nay, even when Adam first came from the hand of the Maker, then as now Niagara was roaring here. He's talking about the falls. The eye, Now get this. The eyes of that species of extinct giants whose bones fill the mounds of America have gazed on Niagara as ours do now. Interesting. Interesting. The eyes of the uh, of that species of extinct giants whose bones fill the mounds of America. So Ali, uh, is this proof positive that these Nephilim came to North America? Um well, this was definitely one piece of proof. Uh there is the incredible architecture we see in Peru. Uh there's a road there uh where all of these sites are on the same road. Uh, there are skulls that have been dug up from cemeteries where they have been killed with blunt instruments on their heads because we see the mark on every skull. Uh, there are the serpent mounds. Uh, there is all of this here as though, you know, it seems that when Joshua and Caleb pushed them out of the Middle East, they might have gone over the Barren Straits and entered here. Uh, there's, you mentioned archaeology. There's also archaeological writings dug up from Mesopotamia, uh, like the tale of Gilgamesh, which is the story of a very powerful uh, giant who was a ruler of Uruk, where Iraq gets its name from in the south of Mesopotamia, one of the most ancient uh, pre- and post-flood cities. 
And then in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found the Book of Giants, an actual book called the Book of Giants. And it is there that the names of specific giants are mentioned, including Gilgamesh, who many believe may have survived the flood. All right. I want to work in a phone call, and then I want to talk to you about uh, L.A. Marzulli, who is in your documentary. You've interviewed L.A., uh, yeah. We brought him to uh, to town, you and I, um, over a year ago for yeah. our uh, As in the Days of Noah conference. Yes. Uh, let's work in a call here. Michael is in Newmarket uh, tonight. Michael, welcome. Yes. Uh, good evening, Richard. And I forgot the guest's name. Ali. But... Ali Siadatan. Uh, Adam? Yeah. Ali. Ali. Oh, Ali. Okay. Listen, in uh, the in the book of Numbers... The Israelites uh, were just about to go into the land, and they sent out 12 spies. Ten of them uh, uh, gave a bad report, saying that fortified cities, and there were Nephilim uh, in in the land, whereas uh, the two, Joshua and Caleb, obviously said, okay, let's go for it, boys. Uh, right, we mentioned that. That's, uh, as you say, in numbers. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak uh, come here from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Right. So they saw the giants. Yeah. So did uh, the Israelites ever have every reason to be scared? And if not, what was their sin? Um, their sin was a lack of faith. Uh, because God had brought them out of the most important uh, stronghold of the fallen angels, uh, Egypt. And the Elohim of Mizraim, the gods of Egypt, had been humbled. And God had freed them from Pharaoh, the most powerful human ruler anywhere, uh, and with a mighty hand. And, and yet they were afraid of what they were seeing. Uh, so it seems that there was a lack of faith. Uh, they in, in the God of, of Abraham that they had heard about through their stories, but now they were <laughs> directly in contact with and was there with them. Okay, Michael, thank you for the call. I want to move ahead now. Uh, L.A. Marzulli, um, and in his investigation into the Paracas skulls, these are these elongated skulls which are on display uh, in museums. Uh, I believe it's, in, it's is it either Peru or Bolivia, and, and uh, L.A. has been there. Uh, they have conducted. They've they've given an, an amazing access. I don't know how he does it, but uh, they, they people just seem to to trust him and like him, and they hand over these artifacts. And he's had DNA samples and so forth. What is your perception, or what is your what are your thoughts on these Paracas skulls, elongated skulls that L.A. and others believe uh, are evidence? Uh, these are skulls of uh, uh, Nephilim. Well, I don't doubt that they are skulls uh, to be found in the ground. And, they, you know, in the more ancient world, there's been more time to hide them. It uh, doesn't mean that they were not, you know, skulls found in the Mediterranean regions, uh, because we see the writings of the Greeks and the Persians. I mean, everyone's talking about them. I, I was in Persopolis, in the capital of Cyrus in Persia, and w- with my father. We were looking at these great pillars of this incredible architecture, and my father, who was an architect, was telling me, you know, it's, this would be difficult for us to erect even today. I wonder how they did it then. And there was a local... A villager there with his family it was day off and he's brought his family to walk through these ruins and I turned around to him and I said hey how do you think they built these things and he, you know, he very, took my question very seriously and he said well the ancient cuneiform writings of the Persians talk about champions uh, that they had and these champions were giants uh, and they are the ones who built this and I thought here's another oral tradition there's oral traditions from Europe the, from the Maltese island from many places in Asia and Europe but 
in America where there has been less traffic, less people walking around, less people building cities, these bones have been not so disturbed. But what's interesting for me as far as this continent, uh, going back to, you know, Zechariah Sitchin and, and, and people uh, from the 70s and 80s, there has been, uh, everyone has been pointing to the incredible architecture and technology um, of the Incas um, and, and, and the stuff we find in Peru is absolutely mind-boggling. And the Mayan pyramids, they look very much like the Zagarats of Mesopotamia and the pyramids of Egypt. There is definitely something here that had deep knowledge of mathematics and of uh, how to move stones and how to, in Machu Picchu, you see those stones sticking together without mortar. Um, well, that's pretty precise stone cutting. Um, and so they could uh, do things that uh, humans may have not been able to do, uh, such as lift things, perhaps uh, move them telepathically, move them, um, not telepathically, but um, telekinesis, moving objects, plinting, because we see that in the modern abduction phenomenon. So I think that when you put all of it together, the architecture and the bones of an undisturbed ground, um, and the stories of the Bible and the writings from all around the world, from all of these ancient civilizations and the oral traditions, I think that the evidence is very clear. There has been an attempt to hide this from us the okay. way that there's but, an attempt to hide it today from us. But, but, back, to the, but back to the Paracas skulls, these elongated yes. skulls. And I don't yes. know if this conversation came up in your interviews with L.A. Marzulli for, for Goliath Rising, but I mean, he believes that these are the skulls of the Nephilim. Or, I mean, he's very careful. I, I don't know that he would say that, but he's investigating to see whether they are. Yes. And, and the critics, of course, would suggest that, no, these elongated skulls are the result of what's called cradle boarding, where you take a child, uh, an infant, and you sort of over time, you kind of uh, cradle boarding, you stretch the skull, uh, and it's um, this is simply, you know, uh, for whatever cultural reason, this is what they did with certain children. And, and as they grew into adults, their skulls were very elongated. Yeah, the second you look at the skulls, if you just go and Google them and look at them, the second with your eyes you see them, you realize this is not just, you know, the, the tribal practice of elongating skulls for beauty. Uh, this is something very different. Um, and then there's the, the, there, there are cemeteries in which skulls are found in the United States itself. And, and you're right, there is a, you know, he is, L.A. has this great thing about a picture uh, that he saw in a museum in the archives, and uh, you can clearly see an archaeologist standing over a very huge skeletal structure, uh, uh, a skeletal of a being, of, of what looks like a human, but it's very, very tall. It looks like 18 feet tall. Um, and then, you know, the picture goes missing and it gets edited off uh, and posted right in front of the museum, but with that, with that part taken off. There's definitely a conspiracy. Uh, so these skulls, the second you look at them, you realize these are not elongated. You can see it with your own eyes. All right. And so we're still waiting for some sort of definitive DNA. DNA and genetic testing and... Yeah. and uh, uh, I suspect that the nuclear uh, DNA will will be inconclusive, yeah. and the um, mitochondrial DNA may, if these are in fact hybrids, will 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 be uh, perhaps human. Anyway, that's uh, we'll we'll discuss that maybe uh, later. Very quickly, just before we uh, we break here, uh, or say goodbye momentarily. Uh, the the documentary Goliath Rising. How is it going to be released? We just have about a minute here, Ali. Yes, it will, it will be released in ten minutes uh, pieces. 
we, we're, we have 20 hours of footage we're editing and we're releasing, and we're now um, and getting ready to interview new guests. And it has a, a mind of its own. I really do feel that... Uh, uh, the hand that you know uh, of God uh, were, you know leads me uh, prayfully as I go forward, and that's part of the adventure. It unfolds. Okay, and how can people see it? Um, right now, what people can watch is uh, while they're waiting, they can watch UFOs, Angels, and Gods. Um, uh, they can watch it uh, on YouTube, or they can go on our website and pay two dollars and watch it, and, and, and we would appreciate that. Uh, and there's a trailer, but it will be coming out through Vimeo, and people can watch it uh, on Vimeo. Vimeo. And, but in the meantime, they should go to the website thinkagainproductions.com and this will be released in 10-minute installments. You have got 20 hours of footage and uh, L.A. Marzuli and uh, Dr. David Jacobs, of course, and yeah. we'll talk about him. Um, Ali, thank you. Hang in there. Don't go anywhere. My website, strangeplanet.ca. Please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett and please subscribe. Uh, well, download the free app, The Conspiracy Show, and also Zoomer Radio. Two free apps, terrific, terrific apps. And as always, follow the truth. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hello. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, your parents' basement, loft, taxi, that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. This is The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Sarrett. A special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio here in Toronto. 50,000 watts of peace and love. And uh, also, of course, all those listening in on one of our affiliate stations, if you want to check uh, to find an affiliate station near you, you can go to the website, strangeplanet.ca, and uh, just go to the uh, radio page, and then from there to the affiliates page. Uh, those of you listening to the podcast, at Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, uh, iTunes, and, of course, TalkZone.com. Those of you watching us uh, live on YouTube, streaming the YouTube uh, the Hangout on Air, and uh, for those who want to partake and watch a radio program on YouTube, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Find the link uh, the, or the tweet near or uh, at or near the top of the feed containing the HOA and just click on that. And then you can stream this radio program on YouTube. Uh, those of you who are uh, listening via the, um, the app, the Conspiracy Show app or the Zoomer Radio app. Both terrific, both free downloads from uh, iTunes, uh, the Apple Store, and uh, Google Play. Uh, however and wherever you are listening, I bid thee welcome and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Ali Siadatan uh, remains with us and uh, we are going to continue. This will be part two of our uh, conversation. He has a new documentary project out called Goliath Rising. It will be released in 10-part installments, and the trailer is now up at his website, thinkagainproductions.com. And uh, we have been talking and will continue to discuss uh, the link between the modern-day UFO, ET, alien abduction phenomena, and uh, biblical accounts of uh, Nephilim, uh, fallen angels, and uh, so forth. Now, before that, I just want to mention, uh, thank you for my water, by the way, Albert. 
Uh, if you missed it earlier, Albert um, did not succeed this week in identifying what was in the box, but we'll try it again next week. He's a, a remote viewer friend, and uh, na- last week he just about nailed it. This week, well, not so much. That's all right. Uh, before we get to uh, Ali Seattatan, I just got—I have to mention this. Uh, because, of course, this continues to be the story, and that's the current, the, uh, the U.S. presidential election. Um, but, oh, by the way, just a reminder, uh, Ambassador Leo Emil Wanta, the $26.5 trillion man, uh, Ronald Reagan's secret agent, will return to the program next week for two hours. And um, Leo doesn't believe there's going to actually be an election. Now, get this. This is from our friends at WND. Uh, Trump, Hillary... How about a nice major extinction event? Get this, 24% of millennials would prefer the latter, a major extinction event, according to a poll. To say there is discontent over the presidential choices among millennials in 2016 is an understatement, according to a new poll conducted by the University of Massachusetts at Lowell. Nearly 40% of the respondents between the ages of 18 and 35 say they would prefer Barack Obama appointing himself president for life. While, t- oh my, while 24% say they would prefer a giant meteor striking Earth and causing the extinguishing of human life to either of the two major party candidates moving into the White House in January. The extin- extinction level event won a majority of vote, votes when matched up head to head against a Donald Trump presidency, while 34% preferred it, meaning a meteor striking the Earth, to Hillary Clinton. All right. I'll get the mighty Aphrodite to tweet that out as well, at Richard Serrett. Ali Siadatan, thinkagainproductions.com. And again, the uh, documentary is Goliath Rising. And uh, we welcome Ali back to the program. Ali, thanks for staying with us. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, Richard. All right. You got everything you need? You got water? You got I did. Uh, I did some all right, water. some snacks? Okay. Well, let us uh, soldier on. Okay. So uh, previously, we were talking about. A biblical, a biblical accounts of giants, of the Nephilim, and how they came into being, and what happened to them after the flood, and, and evidence for uh, the giants in uh, North America, South America, the elongated skulls in um, uh, um, the, and, and Lynn, L.A. Marzulli's investigation of those. Uh, you mentioned that these giants seem to appear in history uh, in order to forestall sort of the, the uh, fulfillment of the, the biblical narrative. So, which, let me just ask this as our first order of business. The, um, you know, one of the most amazing uh, fulfilled prophecies in the Bible is that the, you know, the, 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 the Jewish diaspora, uh, Jewish tribes scattered around the world would return uh, to Israel 2,000 years uh, after that nation was destroyed, and Israel would reform, which it did in 1948. So it would seem logical then Given that, uh, for example, a, a giant named Goliath uh, attempted to slay David, uh, uh, and that is, you know, the uh, in the line of, of of Judah and so forth, which Jesus was part of that lineage. So, if you want to prevent Jesus from being born in the first place, then you have to kill David. So, were there? Let me cut to the quick. Were there giants seen uh, reported? Um, in the Holy Land around 1948 in order to forestall the, for, the, the creation, the rebirth of the nation of Israel? Uh, no, uh, it came out in a, a completely different way. It was called the Holocaust. And it was, as, as uh, the 1917 Balfour Declaration uh, made a provision 
for the Jewish people to return. The white papers stopped them in their tracks in Europe, and then the gates of hell opened, it seems, and the Nazis and the power behind them poured out, and that was Satan's attempt. But ironically, the very thing that Satan was hoping to do to stall the creation of what would lead to his fall and the loss of his own power, the state of Israel, fulfilling prophecy, as you say, uh, was the very thing that actually God used to turn the hearts and minds of his people in that direction and say, well, perhaps you do need the safety of your own uh, government. And so that was very interesting, How, but that's what tried to stop them. It wasn't giants, it was the Nazis. <laughs> right, okay. Now, um, so we, we need to begin to make the connection, and I need you to build the case, uh, which is really the sort of the, the central theme of Goliath rising, uh, that the, the, to make the case that the modern-day UFO ET alien abduction phenomena it really connects back to, uh, you know, that, that passage in, in, in Luke uh, where Jesus tells his disciples about the end times and, uh, you know, it'll be like the, as it was in the days of Noah, meaning the flood, uh, you know, when the Son of Man returns for the second time. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yes. Uh, so what, let's begin to build the case that, um, to build that case. Um, well, it, it's interesting, but the case in a way begins in understanding uh, something that Jesus quotes uh, when, he's, when he's told and chastised and saying, why do you call yourself Elohim, the name of God, why do you call yourself divine? He then quotes to them Psalm 82, 6, where it says, um, I have said you are Elohim, speaking of humans. You are Elohim, and you are, and all of you are children of El Elyon, of the Most High. And he says, well, if you, those who receive the scriptures were called Elohim, then how can, why would I be blaspheming? I came from heaven. Um, and, and we see this also in the genealogy of Jesus in, in the Gospel of Luke, where it goes all the way back to Adam, and then it says, and Adam was the son of Elohim. So it refers to what happened in the book of Genesis. Um, the, the, all of these beings that are in the Bible, they are called Elohim, and we are of them. And that's why we're in this great cosmic tale. That's that's how the Bible says it. Now, there's a subcategory of beings called the sons of God, the Benai Elohim, and then there is the messengers, the Malak. But this is how the Bible divides these beings. Um, now, in, in the Christian language, we've taken the word of angel and we've stretched it to encompass all of these, and we've kind of put them in a big, big ball of wool and thrown them into a ghostly realm. But the Bible tells us that we are, and these beings with God at the helm, we are all called Elohim. So, so the sons of Elohim, they um, are a subcategory of these beings. And as you kind of keep reading the mosaic of the Bible, what you see is that one-third of them have gone with Satan, whose ambitions are recorded for us, to be the one who is the leader of all of these beings. Okay, but when, when Jesus says, you know, the, the end times or my second coming, it'll be... Uh, as it was in the days of Noah. And I want to focus on um, when you're building the case that what's going on today, particularly with the alien abductions, and we'll get into yes. Dr. David Jacobs' research here in a moment, yes. um, the, how that relates to what Jesus was saying as in the days yes, of Noah. The days of Noah. So there has been you know, a huge, uh, starting with I.D. Thompson, there's been a huge turning of heads into the days of Noah. Well, what were the days of Noah like? They, as we have Chuck Missler explaining in our first documentary, UFOs, Angels, and Gods, 
that the days of Noah were the days of the Nephilim. Now, the contamination of the human gene pool was massive in those days. Uh, nothing like it has been seen until today. Uh, there was a very special uh, you know, coming of these uh, fallen angels and, and the race of Seth and Cain who, who were affected by the so global that apparently only one family, the family of Noah from the line of Seth was found without blemish and the race had to continue through him. In the later post-flood Nephilim stories, it's always a very local contamination. It's very still massive on the scale of, of, of the races. You know, people keep reproducing over the thousands of years. But we don't see anything like that days of Noah until today when uh, we look into the UFO phenomenon and we see that the heart of it is a creation of hybrids um, uh, looking at the research of Bud Hopkins, of Dr. Jacobs even of Johnny Mack who was the head of psychiatry at Harvard, when you're looking at uh, the, the evidence of the UFO phenomenon and why is the UFO phenomenon related to the angelic world and, and to, to the sons of God in the Bible well when you look at the whole story of these beings um, with God at the helm in the Bible, the Elohim it talks about their vehicle and their chariots are called the Merkaba in the Bible or the Rikab which takes Elijah these have been translated as chariots but in the Bible's Hebrew it means vehicles it's just that today there was nothing until today other than chariots to be a vehicle right so it, it, we have of course reference to Ezekiel's wheel we uh, have reference to Ezekiel's wheel we have a reference to uh, the Magi's follow star that stops on one so place. these were the vehicles that the fallen angels and the other angels were flying around in uh, so yes. again these were not winged creatures. No, we see These were physical today. bodies in some sort of flying craft. Listen, yes, we'll take a time out, Ali. today clearly. In the UFO phenomenon. All right, we'll, we'll take a time out. Ali Seattachan stays with us. Thinkagainproductions.com and the documentary is Goliath Rising. And we will rise again in mere moments. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back to The Transmission, The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett, and uh, please say hello on Twitter and follow at Richard Serrett, uh, the website strangeplanet.ca. Uh, Albert, when is uh, Stanton Friedman coming on the program again? Stanton, is uh, is it next uh, uh, two weeks? or End of November. End of last, November. Last week of November. Last week of November. All right, Stanton Friedman, upcoming on the program. I mentioned uh, Leo Wanta for the full two hours next week. Ali Siadatan is with us now as we continue to discuss his uh, new project. This is quite unique, a, a unique way of – he's got 20 hours of, of um, uh, footage. He's releasing it in 10-minute uh, segments – it will be released on Vimeo, and you can see the trailer at his website, thinkagainproductions.com. It's called Goliath Rising, and we're talking about uh, uh, the connection between the uh, modern-day alien abduction phenomenon and uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, accounts of the Nephilim. And uh, so if the, the Nephilim, the giants, were doing the bidding of, of Satan to forestall the arrival of, of Christ and then to forestall, I guess, then the 
second coming. Is that the the purpose of the modern day alien abduction phenomenon to forestall hmm. the, uh, the the biblical narrative? Is not, not to forestall it. I, I've been studying the mind of Satan and the fallen angels since I started researching this in the mid 1990s, and I think I've developed a kind of an understanding. Um, in the Garden of uh, Eden, we see a very important clue where Satan doesn't directly uh, you know, kill or murder uh, Adam. He just makes a suggestion. He just makes a suggestion. You know, please, have some of this. However, God uh, had said, if you do that, then you will be condemned to death. So later, Satan can stand in the assembly of the Elohim, as we see him in the book of Job, among the sons of God. He can stand and say... All I did is make a suggestion, but your own laws now, your own just laws require you, essentially, to kill them, to condemn them to death, which is what God does. And that's very important to understand that this is the story of a dead race. But So Satan is, is, is thinking more in legal terms. He will create a situation where God will be forced by his own laws to hand the scepter of power to Satan instead of to um, you know, the Messiah. And so this is, I think, his approach is thinking more, I have now have enough wisdom of how the universe functions and all the laws that God has chosen to create uh, through. And I can position myself in such a way that I will be awarded the scepter. So I think the modern-day rise is about thwarting Armageddon. It's about um, this is the only thing he could possibly do. If he is the one that wins, then perhaps there's a universal law that says, okay, you now will get this. All right, he being Lucifer or Satan. Let me ask you then, uh, if, if the, the, the alien abduction phenomenon sort of mirrors the uh, commingling of uh, the uh, uh, sons of uh, the angels, the fallen angels and the daughters of men and creating a hybrid race of these Nephilim, why aren't, the, why aren't we seeing giants walking around? Well, that's a very good point. Um, I mean, uh, I'm glad you're using the word commingling because in the book of Genesis, we talk about knowing and about taking wives, and it's very uh, sexual language, clearly. Well, I use commingling they, because this is a family show, Ali. Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so um, the, uh, what would Dr. Ruth call it? I don't know. It's, it's some sort of uh, intercourse. But here, uh, later, we see a very interesting clue, which is revealed as God who reveals mysteries, is revealed to the king of, Neb- uh, of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, in the 5th century B.C., uh, where he has a dream of imperial rule from his time to the time of the Messiah. And in the very last stage of the last empire, which is the one the Messiah contends with, we suddenly have this very enigmatic verse thrown in. And whereas you saw iron mixed with clay in the statue, in the order of the metals of the statue, where you saw iron mixed with clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even this is as the, iron is not mixed with clay. This is the dream that he asks Daniel to interpret for him. Yes, he asks anyone of his sages to do. None of them could, and Daniel stepped forward. Um, once a death penalty was handed down, and, uh, and he was a member of the sages now, so the death penalty affected him, and he asked that God be given a day, and God revealed it to him, that this was the order of imperial rule that Nebuchadnezzar was dreaming about. And in the very last empire, what we see is this idea, and it's interesting, the language is distinctly different from the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis talks about knowing and wives, 
suddenly the prophecy about this phenomenon in the latter days talks about mingling of seeds. And you think, is there a clue in that? And once you look into the research, you realize there is. The word that's been used is they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. The word they is the Hebrew plural pronoun like usted in Spanish or il um, in, uh, in French. I don't know if it's usted, but it's il in French with an S. Right. So in, hang on. Let me just cut to the quick here. So in, in this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has uh, of this uh, statue or this figure, yeah. one of the empires rep- – it's the Babylonians and then the Greek and then the Roman. And then, and, um, and then the question is, you know, what is this – final imperial or this final empire well that's interesting because we've now had to have a have a new clue into that um there are seven heads of the dragon in revelation 13 it says a dragon has seven heads and when you look at what god calls abraham out of mesopotamia um satan also shifts his perspective from mesopotamia to follow abraham and abraham and his children first and foremost contend with egypt that god defeats at the exodus the gods of egypt uh, they do miracles as well these uh, servants of the pharaoh and then from egypt we see that the next power that uh, you know, abraham's children the covenant of people um struggle with is assyria the scepter of rule goes from uh, in egypt to assyria and then we get to the time of Babylon after Assyria. Um, so if the, the, there are seven heads, then there, are, there should be five in the statue and two beforehand. From Babylon, it goes to uh, the next empire, Persia. the Medo and Persians, Persia. then the Greece, then yeah. the Romans. Right. And, and, and so there is a fifth empire in the statue, um, and that hasn't quite taken shape yet because for 2,000 years... That's the feet of clay. They're, they're away from the land, but when they click back into the land, we see a final empire emerging because the statue essentially is referring to the empires that the uh, chosen people, the people of Israel, are contending with specifically okay. at a time where they exist in the Middle East. But, but back to my question. Why aren't the, the... Why isn't the alien abduction phenomenon, if these are fallen angels... Uh, and we now call them ETs. This is the big deception. If they are uh, abducting humans, sort of uh, paralleling the commingling... Why are they giants? Why are they producing races of giants? Because it, this time is very different. The evidence shows... Um, you know, we have documented it really well in UFOs, Angels, and Gods, and we're building on it in, in Goliath Rising. We've spoken with the world's top expert, and the abduction phenomenon is one that is scientifically conducted in laboratories to produce hybrids or hubrids now. They look like us. Um, this, so this is different, and the Bible's language is very precise. Until now, it's been talking about knowing and intercourse, and suddenly, in the prophetic language, introduces the idea of the mingling of seeds. It's, it's suddenly new, and we see that, that is very precise. The language of the Bible is very precise. That is exactly what we're uh, documenting outside the window today. There is an actually mingling of seeds. Why? Because they don't want to produce giants. They want to genetically produce um, beings that look like us and can walk among us and can infiltrate us, and that is what the latest research is showing. All right. Now, Dr. David Jacobs, uh, who along with Bud Hopkins uh, were, and the late uh, Dr. John Mack, uh, uh, you know, sort of the cream of the crop when it came to researching alien abductions, and, and Dr. David Jacobs has, uh, under uh, hip- hypnosis, uh, dealt with thousands of, of these individuals that he believes are sincere in their in their uh, belief that they were abducted, um, but what what evidence is there that there that there are there are actually hybrids being produced? 
Well, the evidence uh, that we have comes from the stories of abductees. Johnny Mack was the head of psychiatry at Harvard University. He shocked the academic world in 1994 when he released his book, Abductions, where he says when he spoke with these people, um, and um, it, he understands how people lie, and he said the way they were speaking about this phenomenon clearly followed all the rules humans follow when they're telling the truth. And, and who are these people? They're judges, they're lawyers, they're scientists, they're police officers, uh, they're people we trust their daily life and and they come forward with these stories there is no reason to believe that they're lying so the anecdotal evidence from abductees themselves is a rich source of evidence then there are drawings and we have many many drawings from abductees in ufos angels and gods that keep people can look at uh, drawings that we got from dr jacobs uh, and there are children's drawings children make drawings of their abductions because people are abducted from young age to old age and, and children, they draw these things that we recognize as what the adults are drawing. Uh, and I don't think they're watching TV or listening to uh, shows like this. Right. But, but uh, if the intent here is to produce, I guess, an army, sort of a Satan's army. Okay. What uh, is the intent? That is a very good question. Well, it... no, but let me just finish it, the point here. Then why aren't the abductions always involving women? We have the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, which is one of the most famous abduction the cases. Why, why are they bothering to abduct men? Why aren't they just focusing on women, commingling with the daughters of men? Well, it seems that two seeds are mingled together. The seed of humans from the sperm is removed from the men, and there's genetic material, there's a bloodline, and I suspect it is the bloodline of the Nephilim themselves. Now we see that they have been having children throughout the ages with us. If this is the parable, the tares have been sown throughout the ages, and now there's a rich pool of people to pre take from who are genetically more compatible with who? With themselves, with their chosen masters, the principalities and powers, uh, the ones that are, have rank uh, and houses of these fallen angels. And so they are mingling, they're, you know, mixing our seed with theirs and then impregnating human females as the gestation uh, period begins. Uh, and they're being then removed before the first trimester is, is over. It sounds like a crazy story, but watch UFOs, Angels, and Gods, and look at the abduction reports as documented by Jacobs. His evidence is incredible, and he has no agenda. Um, so this is, this is something that is different. They need men's seed. They need men's bloodline. They need their own bloodline, and they're creating royal families, and they're creating other things. Um, we have been wondering, why are they doing this? Why, why are they creating it on such a mass level? Uh, this has been a question since 1996 when I really started to look into this that's been in my mind. Um, and I've had different answers. So are they building an, are just a series of ten kings or one leader? Are they building an army? But now we're seeing more and more of the massive um, proportion of, of hybrids that they're creating or hybrids. Why are they doing this? Well, I'm, I am starting to have a deeper understanding of the whys. Well, in 1991, uh, uh, Dr. David Jacobs, I'm not sure, I, I believe Bud Hopkins and I believe John Mack were involved in commissioning this Roper poll. Um, uh, yes, the, it, David Jacobs commissioned this poll, yes. Right. And according to the results of this poll, and let's be honest, the methodology of that poll has been widely criticized. However, this Roper poll claimed nearly 4 million Americans have had what they call certain, quote, indicator, end quote, experiences, indicator experiences, and therefore had probably been abducted by aliens. So 
if 4 million Americans, let's do the math, 4 million Americans. Well, well he says 5 to 6 percent. Um, and we have him talk about that, that poll in detail. And he says that the numbers are more like 5 to 6 percent. They're very conservative. So if we take 5 percent, there's 350 million Americans, right? And if we go 0 0.5, that's 7 million. Uh, abductees in the United States. Now, if we say that this is a worldwide phenomenon because he receives emails from Egypt, from China, uh, people talking from Arabia, talking about the same phenomenon that we're, he's documenting here, he now can talk to them through Google Translate. Uh, in, in China, UFO circles have millions of members. So if we say that this is, let's take 7 billion as, as a sample, um, of the world population, if we take 7 billion, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, and we say 0 0.05, we get 350 million abductees among us. So the scale of the whole phenomenon is finally like the days of Noah, something we have never seen since that time um, in, 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 when we look at the passages that point us to the tribes of the Nephilim in the Middle East. Except, the, the, offspring, except the offspring are not 9-foot, 12-foot uh, giants. They look just like us, perhaps indistinguishable. Or are they? We'll find out. Alicia at 10, Goliath Rising. Thinkagainproductions.com. Don't go away. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We'll get back to our conversation with Ali Siadatan from Think Again Productions in just a moment. And the documentary is Goliath Rising, uh, which will be released in 10-minute um, segments. Uh, and there, are, there is about 20 hours of footage, but 10-minute uh, segments, and it'll be released on Vimeo. But right now, the trailer is up at thinkagainproductions.com. I just wanted to mention this. Russian scientists have located a secret Nazi facility that was abandoned before the end of World War II. This comes from unexplainedmysteries.com. Uh, constructed in 1942, the mysterious base, which was named Schatzgraber, I just like saying that, Schatzgraber, or Treasure Hunter, had remained lost for so long that many people believed it to be little more than a myth. The story goes that the Nazi scientists stationed there all had to evacuate the facility after eating polar bear meat that made them sick. Some have speculated that the tea may have been deliberately poisoned. However, it is now believed that the meat was infected by a parasite. The Russian scientists who discovered the base have reported finding hundreds of objects left behind during the evacuation, including shells and other World War II weapon fragments. One thing that still remains a mystery, however, is what the base was used for. With a name like Treasure Hunter, it almost seems like there could be something important still hidden there. Whether, Russian, whether the Russians will succeed in unraveling its secrets, however, remains to be seen. Again, that's at uh, unexplained Hyphen mysteries.com, secret Nazi base discovered in the Arctic. All right, uh, Alicia, and let's grab a call here. Jay is in Florida tonight this morning. Jay, hello, welcome. Jay, are you there? Are you with us? Come in, Jay. 
Hello, Jay. Going once, twice, and Jay has been abducted by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Dr. David Jacobs and um, certainly the, uh, you know, the, uh, the pointy end of the spear when it comes to this whole alien abduction research. But what is interesting to me is that you're, you're making these amazing connections, you and others, between the alien abduction phenomena and, uh, you know, the, the, that chapter in Luke, as in the days of Noah. In other words, Satan, uh, uh, the fallen angels, creating this race of hybrids. Uh, and, but, but Dr. David Jacobs is, from what I recall, he's an avowed atheist. I mean, he, so what does he think is going on then if it's not about, um, about uh, you know, Satan raising this, this army? Well, he thinks it's about an alien plan to control humanity because there's a lot of telepathy involved. Um, the hybrids are now numerous enough to be a race of their own, like a fifth column, basically. Um, and uh, but they're like children growing up, very quickly learning. They're, they're they're raised in spaceships. Now it seems that the abduction phenomenon w- is mostly about integration, where the abductees have tasks to help integrate their hybrids uh, that they have known all their lives, the, or hybrids. Uh, um, and so the the story, um, if, to him, it appears to be about controlling the human society. Um, the research that he has just released in his latest book, which came out in 2015, Aliens Among Us, um, he is there walking among us. It's called Walking Among Us. He's presenting research that's already 10 years old, going back to the early 2000s. Um, and the abductees that he's interviewing, talking with, talk about how integration, their job is to help integrate these hybrids into the culture, get them social insurance numbers, um, look, check over their apartments, make sure it's decorated properly. Um, and the interaction is very much about learning the rules of our culture, everything from eating to choosing clothing to understanding music. Uh, to understanding religion, to understanding uh, even something uh, like empathy and free will, uh, which is very difficult for them to understand, especially free will. It's a very regulated society. So they're kind of like children, but they're very rapidly, since they're telepathic, absorbing knowledge. There's even accounts of them going with their abductees to work and just observing them trade stocks, absorbing them in their professional sphere. Parent take Um, an alien to work day, in other words. Yes, take an alien to work day. But but are they are they cognizant of the fact that they are hybrids? Do they know where they come from? Are, have they have they been told that? Do they know they're hybrids or hybrids, as you well, say? Well, you know, we have a small window through Dr. Jacobs' research. Obviously, there's much that we don't know, but through the window of his research, it seems that they're more like need to know type of uh, creatures, uh, and all they're told is their tasks and their immediate functions. And is there anything dis- that distinguishes them from other humans? I mean, have you, for example, do you believe that you have encountered a, a hybrid? Well, um, I-, I may have encountered one, uh, ironically, at a show in Oshawa where you invited me to speak. Uh, and there that may woman- have been Albert. I'm- <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> that may have been Albert. That may have been Albert. <laughs> um, and, and so, yes, <laughs> it may have been Albert. You're right. Sorry, pal. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Who came, who came to me afterwards uh, and, and presented herself as an abductee to me. Okay, just hold on to that, Ali. I want to hear about this. And, and all, all kidding aside, 
Uh, Albert is going to beat me during the break, but we'll come back. Ali Siadatan, thinkagainproductions.com, Goliath Rising. He'll tell you about his possible encounter with a hubrid when we return. And Jay has joined us from Florida again. Stay on the line, Jay. We'll get to your call as well. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right. Ian, my rockabilly friend, what was that music bed? It sounds like something from Satan's band. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we are with Ali Siadatan. We will be back uh, to that conversation in just a moment. Uh, just a, a quick story here from uh, the Mail Online, the Daily Mail, uh, over in uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle may be uh, solved. Hexagonal clouds creating terrifying air bombs with 170 mile per hour winds may be to blame for disappearing ships and planes, scientists claim. Of course, the Bermuda Triangle has been blamed for hundreds of missing vessels, boats and planes and ships. The 500,000 kilometer square patch in the North Atlantic Ocean still unsolved. However, scientists now believe the clouds and weather phenomena, uh, phenomenons are to blame. Phenomenons? No, it's not phenomenons. It's phenomena, right? Uh, shame on you, mail. Anyway, the so-called air bombs can create waves up, of up to 45 feet, experts have said. Hexagonal clouds creating terrifying air bombs with winds of 170 miles an hour could be behind the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. All right, so another one solved. Tick, check that one off the list. A couple of weeks ago, Howard Hughes, check. D.B. Cooper, check. Marilyn Monroe, check. And now the Bermuda Triangle. We're going to have to take this show off the air if this continues. Uh, Ali Siadatan uh, is with us, um, Goliath Rising. Let's grab a call here. Now, I hope Jay is with us in Florida. Jay, are you there? I am here. All right. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, wonderful. Um, I have many things, I have other things I wanted to say, but I what I'm going to say, but I know we're pressing for time. But just I enjoyed you thoroughly on Coast last night, and you did deal with your uh, critics very well. They were very harsh with you and your guests. Oh, you mean the one Victor from Portland who called me treasonous and uh, said I was committing sedition? <laughs> well, there was a couple that were just about downright rude. But um, well, it, what did people think? You know, you, you're on a sh- we're on a program that discusses conspiracies. It's like you walk exactly. into an ice cream store and then you say, "Why are you selling ice cream?" Anyway, right? What do you make of uh, what we're talking about here? The um, the uh, the Nephilim and the alien abduction phenomenon. Well, I'm hoping you'll grant me a little bit of time here. I had a few, several things I wanted to get into. I can do it all at once, or we can do it one at a time. Uh, let's let's just do a couple. Just give me your your top two, and then um, we'll go from there. Okay. Well, if I can get your opinion both on this woman, and I wanted to know if you'd had her as a guest, Sherry Schreiner. She has several uh, yes. websites. Yes, uh, I, she's a, go ahead. Yeah, I think she co-authored a book with Kathleen Marden, who uh, also works with Stanton Friedman. Kathleen Marden okay. and Schreiner. Um, Marden was uh, the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, I believe, and I think she's co-authored with Schreiner. I'm, don't quote me on that, but I, I, I think so. Well, she does a show um, on Blog Talk Radio on Monday nights, uh, live 9 Eastern. 
and then you can access her best thing. But I, I'm getting her book, among many other books, Aliens on the Internet. And um, with this whole thing, and who, who did he have on? Jeffrey Daughtry, George had recently on Coast. And um, so I'm hearing more and more about this, the Project Bluebeam, False Fake Rapture, with the white Jesus Christ. And to kind of tie all this in, um, they're saying that it, that's, well, they're saying that Jesus could be coming back on Halloween, and also that um, Election Day, that with this poll you were saying earlier, people don't realize how likely martial law could happen in one way or another. Medical martial law already passed, because that wasn't stopped. I know they didn't get a million signatures with the CDC, um, but with there could be a fake alien invasion. And the first time I heard of this was an ex-Illuminati member, uh, but he said it would happen to bring an end to World War III would be an alien invasion to make everyone um, quit uh, fighting each other. But uh, for your guest, or, or you if you would know, uh, some the questions I had other than about that with the Project Blue Beam and a fake false rapture with the white Jesus Christ that Hollywood has conditioned us for, I believe the pole shift, maybe had been Noah's flood, and that's what we're facing now, which I'm very worried about because we're here in Florida. We're planning on getting a sailboat, but I don't know if uh, going back to Missouri, a uh, timeline for that or uh, if there's anything of that. And I've been hearing him say Elohim a lot, and I'm really wondering and trying to find out the name and title for our Heavenly Father Creator and if there's a mother. What I've heard the most is the Haya, and before that I'd heard Yahweh, Yahweh, um, or Yahuwah. But recently they were saying that all of these are names for Satan. Um, and even a woman says, you, you say, Ahaya, Illuminati, slit your throat. So um, she, she's someone on YouTube. All right. That is um, a lot of information there. So let me, uh, let me get Ali to weigh in on uh, – it's like a smorgasbord, Ali. Just pick what you want and, and uh, weigh in if you would. Well, he, he mentioned, you know, what is the name for the Most High? Elohim in the Bible is used – to talk about uh, the Most High God, but it is also used to talk about all of these other beings um, in the Bible. Um, and we see them, for instance, uh, behind the nations. Uh, it says in Deuteronomy 32, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. There's a clear separation between the nations and the sons of God who are behind them. We see that in the story of Daniel when an angel is coming to deliver a message from God to Daniel, but the prince of Persia withstands him. Obviously, it was understood in the Hebrew mindset that that was a principality, one of these um, powers that is behind the nations, because God has divided and assigned borders to them. And so the word Elohim refers to all of these beings who are behind the nations and who are with Satan, as well as God in the Bible. The passage makes it clear when it says that God is the El of the Elohim, he's the leader of the Elohim. It makes it clear that there is one who created them all and time and space. But all of these beings that are behind the nations and who have been here for centuries and who travel in their chariots, and who create misinformation and competing codes of knowledge to God's uh, word and, and have this incredible temples and architecture that they reveal, like God revealed architecture to Solomon and Moses. Um, these, the world structure that we live in, which has been given to us from the codes of the Elohim, uh, the fallen angels and God through Israel, and, and this is the story of humanity. 
And they also create hybrids. It's one of the other things they do that has a role in this giant story. So the word Elohim really is the name of God, but it is also the name used of these other beings, including Adam and Eve. Okay, now the, the Blue Beam Project you talked about, and this is the idea that uh, uh, supposedly NASA NASA is in charge, and, and they're going to use the sky as a holographic projection screen, and they're and using some space-based lasers, and they're going to simulate a rapture type of situation and, and whisk uh, a whole bunch into the uh, into Never Never Land or heaven, uh, and and um, the idea is this: this is a deception in order to usher in a, a new world order, a new image, or a new world uh, religion, rather. Uh, and what are your thoughts on that? Well, does I mean, that, there's does an that... old Illuminati saying, "At chaos or the room, out of chaos comes order," and the idea is you create a problem and you present yourself as the solution. I fundamentally believe that that is still on the table as what would usher in um, the Antichrist. Um, now, whether it be Project Blue uh, Beam or some disaster in the Middle East or a nuclear war or what, um, now there's a new perspective that the Antichrist realm is more local and it involves Israel and the surrounding nations. And uh, that changes, of course, everything because the leader wouldn't be in the United Nations. He would be supported through a system of national alliances. And we see very much that the world is very global through alliances, but the uh, nemesis of our story may rise in a very clear geography uh, in the Middle East, perhaps, and well, that uh, would change my, things. My guest on Coast last night, uh, Carl Gallops, is yeah. pointing to President Erdogan in Turkey as a possible antichrist figure. Yeah, uh, so that's an interesting yeah. point. Uh, uh, whether it's a Turkey now, Joel Richardson is the one who introduces Turkey as being where the Antichrist will come from. Uh, Schofield before him, uh, you know, favored perhaps Russia. Uh, however, I now see that the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar was divided into four sections by the Jewish sages who felt the Roman Empire was the last empire. But clearly, there are five stages, so it doesn't have to be um, a resurrected caliphate of the Ottomans or a resurrected Roman Empire of the Schofield, it can be a distinct empire of its own, a fifth one. The reading of the statue is only four um, um, sides is an oldly reading going back to 2,000 okay, years so, ago, Jewish thinking. Uh, so, uh, thank you for the call, Jay, in Florida. I appreciate it. So, uh, Ali, are you suggesting that this this final empire... Is neither a Roman empire it's, emerged... It's an army of hubrits. It's an army of hubrits. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Well, the hubrits have a role to play, and they are a race, and the abductees are told that one day the signal will be given... And then we know there will be the hubris, there will be the abductees. These are some of the, you know, the, the, the contactees, the one, those among the abductees who love what they're experiencing. They will have a role to play, okay, for I, sure. I, we're just about out of time, Ali. i gotta, I got to jump in here quickly and ask you about this, this uh, person that you met at one of my conferences in Oshawa that you think may have been a hubrid. Yes. So she came up to me, and she presents herself as an abductee at first. Then this very tall, very tall gentleman came, very flexible, bent down, and told her that they had to leave. But she was telling me, why am I speaking negatively about these beings, that she's been in contact with them since childhood, and they're great? Afterwards, when I, when I looked at Jacobs' new research, I realized the hybrids always have a security agent, and his role is to make sure they don't talk about what they're experiencing. And when I stared into her eyes, it was like a shield of rock covered her pupils, and my mind could not penetrate her eyes. It was not other like soft human eyes that you can penetrate. And, and then I'm not sure anymore if she was an abductee or a hybrid herself, but definitely 
with hindsight, I realized she was in deep contact with that whole world. So these hubrids, there, there could yes. be hundreds of millions of them or, exactly. or tens of millions of them roaming the earth. We, they look just like us. And what is the exact role? We yeah. are discovering it still. A portion may be an army, a portion may be a new race because Satan is planning for after the Armageddon where his new race will carry his revolution into the heavens. And who better than to mingle himself with those who are made in the image of God? But these... these uh, hubrids, if they are in fact uh, descendants of fallen angels, we're not yeah. talking about extraterrestrials here. We're talking about fallen angels. We're talking about, you know, Satan and his legions. Then they would be, wouldn't they be like psychopaths and evil and and and, and uh, running around murderous rampages and so forth? You can't really rule the world uh, that way. They, you have well, to, the world is ruled by psychopaths, so Alan. No, I know, but if you just went around and murder people, um, you know, uh, like the ISIS or whatever, people eventually will gather against you. The Nephilim lose. Okay. It's more sophisticated. Right. Good point. But they would be they would be psychopaths. They would be they would be incapable of true human empathy, uh, empathy. Uh, and they would be they would be deceptive. They would be evil, wouldn't they? Yes, they're definitely an abomination uh, to the Lord, and they're always uh, destroyed by Him. Um, this is not part of the natural creation of God. Uh, but as far as how evil, and you know, look at Gilgamesh, he's very uh, wise in some ways and asks questions. Think of it more as the offspring of lords of the universe, mingled, incredible houses of the lords with the race of Adam, mingled together to create you know, powerful beings, perhaps a little bit psychopathic, some of them, but nonetheless very intelligent. And assuming positions of power, uh, uh, one would assume, and, and also perhaps those hubrids commingling with other people, creating, what, one quarter, uh, one quarter hubrids? I don't know. Well, we have to leave it there. Okay. Uh, but fascinating as one always. Last thing. The Could... environment plays a very important role in all the messages we're getting from the abductions and from the fallen angels. That there'll be environmental disasters, and then these guys will be presented as the solution. That is a recurring message. Ah, interesting. All right, global warming. Global warming. You're saying, Ali? Okay. Yes. Uh, thinkagainproductions.com. Think. I've always thought that global warming was within the spirit of the Antichrist. Uh, globe, uh, thinkagainproductions.com you can see the trailer and uh, Vimeo it will be released on Vimeo in 10 minute installments Ali Siadatan thank you so much you're welcome it was a pleasure Ian Robertson thank you Albert uh, and uh, Ryan Smith uh, thank you until next time don't be afraid there's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known what you hear in the dark speak in the light what I say in a whisper proclaim from the housetops move over Aphrodite I'm coming home Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air and The Garden Show.